Yeah, as sad as it is, unfortunately, as soon as you're like a fighter or whatever, like in the combat sport sort of thing, um, people do just sort of put you, it's like basically judging a book before it bites cover. Um, they go, oh, yep, he's that sort of person. He's going to be like this. He's aggressive. He's all this and that. Um, yeah, so people definitely have that outlook on me, thinking that I'm going to be this sort of person. Welcome to the Press Toward the Goal podcast. I'm very excited to have today on the show one of my friends, uh, four-time Queensland Muay Thai champion, two-times Australian Muay Thai champion, and two-times South Pacific champion, Brad Walton. Brad, welcome to the show. Hey, Jason. Thanks for having me, mate. It's an absolute pleasure. Yeah, it's great to talk with you, and we got a you got a lot of um lot of belts there, a lot of things yeah. for us to discuss, and we'll work through that. <laughs> yeah perfect we like to get the show started by asking a few get to know you questions just let our audience know a bit about brad walton so i'll yep. jump straight in uh what's the most used app on your phone most used app would be a stretching app oh yeah yeah there's a stretching app that i got that sort of helps and um yeah very beneficial before training after training and yeah in my spare time as well so do you want to give it yeah. a plug Home stretch and workout, home stretch workout. It's just in the app store. Yeah, it's just a basic one. Just to, yeah, it's just one that I tend to use a lot. Very nice. As the age is getting on, I need that stretching. <laughs> <laughs> You're still a spring chicken, I can assure you, compared to some of us. Um, what's they? I, I know you're a lean, mean fighting machine, but what's something you eat or drink too much of? Um, I have to put my hand up there and unfortunately say. Uh, just a plain dairy milk chocolate. I'm a sucker for it. <laughs> yeah, the, the number of people who I ask that question, they say chocolate. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it's my worst enemy and my best friend at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think some of us share that relationship, that's for sure. Oh, yeah. that's What's right. the best advice anyone ever gave you? Ooh, best advice anyone ever gave me? Stay humble. Yeah. Stay humble. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. That's good. Uh, do you have a piece of sports uh, equipment or sports memorabilia or something which you could never part with? A favourite piece, yes, a favourite item? Actually, I do, yeah. So I've actually got um, one of my uh, supporter fight shirts. It's got a picture of myself on the front. Uh, when I was down doing some training uh, with the Tougher Brothers and there was Mark Hunt, Mark Hunt signed one side of it and I've signed the other side. So it's a pretty special bit of memorabilia I've got. And then I'd probably be in par with, I've also got uh, and a pair of Evolution fight shorts. It's a fight show that doesn't run anymore. And um, I'm lucky enough to have them signed by Soren Monkentong. Uh, he's a very famous uh, fighter in the Thai scene, um, very established. And I was lucky enough to have him for a trainer for quite some time. And yeah, got a signed pair of shorts from him. Yeah, awesome. And Mark Hunt's a UFC fighter, is that right? Yeah, he's a retired UFC fighter. He's the one that just fought... Um, I think it was Sonny Bill Williams and knocked yes, him out. Yeah, that's right. So, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. So they're probably the two one two bits of um my prized possessions that I won't part with. <laughs> Very good. Uh, who was your heroes growing up? Either sporting heroes or somewhere else. Growing up, oh, all right. 
It's hard to pick. I think I've got four there. Uh, surprisingly, even I do Thai boxing. I wasn't introduced to Thai boxing until I was about 20 years old. Uh, it would actually be boxing. So it would be hard to decide. Muhammad Ali. Yep. Mike Tyson. Roy Jones Jr. Um, and so one more. Oh, Tyson Fury, sorry. That's oh, right. yeah. I Tyson had a written Fury. Yeah, yeah, sorry about that. Yeah, yeah, those four, definitely. Yeah, right, bit of a character, Tyson. Yeah, and I also um, I think I really connect and really uh, flow in their sort of way because um, especially Tyson Fury because he had a very similar upbringing to me, was addicted to drugs, all that sort of stuff, um, sort of end up homeless, all that sort of stuff and being able to turn it right around. So uh, especially Tyson Fury, I really feel close to his personal story that he shares. Yeah, awesome. Well, we're definitely going to touch on that a little bit uh, as we go through our conversation. But you mentioned there that uh, you didn't start Muay Thai until you were 20. So you were boxing when you were younger. Was boxing kind of the sport you did um, growing up? Yeah, it's hard to say. I wouldn't say it was a big consistency or anything. Um, So before my mum had passed, she um, got me into boxing when I was about 14 or 15 and then sort of just... Uh, here and there, casually sort of went to classes, um, which I'll touch base on later. Then, unfortunately, my mum passed, um, sort of distracted with some other things that I've just been able to explain on touch base on later. But, um, yeah, so I ended up getting introduced to Thai boxing uh, when I moved to Queensland at uh, 20 years of age. So, yeah. Yep. And and how, how was that kind of the transition from boxing to Muay Thai? How did that come about very, when you got introduced? Very, very. Um, so funny story that one actually. So when I moved up to one of my older brothers here in Queensland, um, you may have heard of it or may not have. There's a show, uh, movie called Ongbuck. Don't think an, so. Okay, uh, it's got an actor called Tony Jar in it, and he's a very famous Thai actor that does Thai boxing and uh, that sort of martial arts in a lot of films. And yeah, so I'd never seen anything of Muay Thai so until I was twenty. Then when I finally watched this movie with one of my brothers, um, I was absolutely mind blown by this move that this guy was pulling off, like elbows, knees, kicks, punches. And considering I was only ever introduced to punching, I was just like, whoa, what's this? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, so the following week I went to one of the local gyms, which was only 15 minutes down the road, the Thai Boxing Centre, and that's where the journey started. Yep, yeah, awesome. Watching the movie. Yeah, wow. And and when you went along for the first time to this gym, did you fall in love with it straight away? Oh, I was absolutely obsessed with it. Absolutely obsessed with it. Um, probably a bit too much, I think. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I um, started in the deep end. I started When I started off, I started training five days a week straight away. Wow. Um, yeah, yes, the full on. Um, but, yeah, just absolutely fell in love with the sport, just the there's levels to it and um yeah i still love boxing there's uh, boxing is an absolutely amazing sport as well but um just yeah just been drawn towards the tie boxing with all the eight limbs rather than just the two yep and what was it about muay thai that you fell in love with more than normal boxing is it just the ability to use more of your body parts i think there's a couple of factors that would be one of them definitely um another one i think which we can also touch base on later if you'd like, but would probably because, uh, as I mentioned, uh, my mother did pass at 16. So I think for those few years that I sort of got lost, caught up the wrong things, when I turned 20 and finally went to this gym and got started in Thai boxing, 
um, it really gave me something to focus on and yeah. put my energy into rather than the things I was doing um, and really helped me to, it really saved me as a person, I think. Um, I could have definitely went down and possibly not been here the way that things were going. Um, so, yeah, I think it really saved my life. And, um, yeah, it's absolutely, I think that's so, it's a little bit different than the boxing because I had my mum there than when, I started the Thai boxing. It was a bit different. I didn't have any of my parents there and it sort of helped save me as a person. So yeah, I think that's what I enjoy. So it's hard to say that I enjoyed it more because the boxing was amazing too, but just in a different part of my life. And I think it really helped that, that moment of my life. So yeah. Yeah. Tell us about what was going on in your life when you started to do Thai, uh, thai boxing. Yeah. Okay. Um, so uh, just briefly, I'll, keep it short. Uh, my father had passed, uh, committed suicide at age nine. Um, and then my mother committed suicide at age 16 and, um, obviously ended up in gangs, uh, ended up taking drugs as a bad drug addict, uh, ended up in a really bad way. Um, got down to like 40 something kilos. I, I didn't look like, I thought I was pretty much dead. Um, yeah. So then when I decided to just get, I just got over it, uh, finally one day and then my brother got in contact with me and it was just like a blessing from God and um, yeah, moved up here. And ever since then I've been 10 years clean now and I'm 30 and I haven't touched anything since 20. So yeah. So um, yeah. And that's, I think that's really, really helped me put focus into it and help save my life than where I was going with the things in my life that were happening at the time. So. Yeah, yeah. that's, that's fantastic. And um, I, I hear a lot of athletes say that the discipline and the routine and oh, and that yeah. sort of thing from sport and specifically something like this where your body is so finely tuned that, that like you said, has been a lifesaver for you. Yeah, indeed. Yep. Yeah, so um, you start training. When you started training, what were you, was it just for the discipline, just for the kind of outlet that you started yeah. doing that? Uh, yeah, so actually, I just basically started, as I mentioned, um, watching this movie, Ongbak. So I just wanted to learn this new martial arts that just sort of got my attention. And then when I finally started to put things in place, realized you could actually throw a kick, a knee, an elbow, and all these other limbs. Um, I was just head over heels for it, obsessed. And then, um, yeah, I was just mesmerized by it. Just yep. stopped training. Um, I ended up at some, uh, probably about 12 months into training. I had a landscape gardening business that I was earning around two grand a week. So I was going really well. And after training for so many months, uh, 12 months, had my first fight and I was, I was only planning to, so I started training only just to get confidence and self-defense. Then it led to, Oh, okay. I'll jump over the ring, have one fight, had my fight, won my first fight by knockout. And I was like, well, this is crazy. And then um, I thought, all right, well, if it happens, I'll win a Queensland title. Um, had four more fights. Also one by knock. Ah, uh, sorry. I had five fights, four knockouts, and one decision. And I was like, all right. And I got offered a Queensland title. Then it's all just started from there. Now I've got four Queensland titles, two Australian titles, two South Pacific, and I've also competed for two world titles. Yeah. Well. Um, yeah. Just so to I only started it for self defence and a bit of confidence, and yeah, just formed into an absolute obsession and passion. Yeah, that's great. Now, when you when you talk about you were kind of offered a fight when you just started out in Thai boxing, how does that come about? Does everybody who trains go into fighting? Probably, to be honest, I'd say probably a less of the percentage on the scale would fight rather than train. I personally think 80 to 85% of the people that come in the gym are just wanting to better themselves, um, 
and learn self-defense and get confidence. Those one that do, like what you do majority of the time, a trainer should be doing is asking the people when they come, a new student come in, basically what are your plans? What are your goals? Do you plan on fighting? Do you want to do it just for headspace? Do you want to do what would you like to get out of it? Weight loss, whatever it may be. Those that do say fighter, you sort of keep a close eye on them on the side. When you start to see that they're ready for it, you can move them up from the beginners class to the intermediate, from intermediate to full-time fighters, and then it just progresses from there. And then um, one day the trainer normally turns around and goes, hey, we've got a month, two months, three months, or whatever the time frame is till the fight show. Would you like to fight? Put your hand up, yes. And then hopefully the promoter gets a match with your weight and sort of the same experience, and then it goes from there. Yeah, awesome. What 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 are you feeling before you go into your first fight? Oh, wow, funny you say this. So I actually fought at a place called Fitzy's Tavern. I think it was Fitzy's Tavern in Logan Home. Yep. Yeah. It was. And um, there's a there's like a restaurant right next to it because it's in the tavern. And I remember prior to this, prior to maybe an hour or half an hour, forty five minutes to an hour max, about to I was fight number two for my first fight, and um. I was next door and I was having, I was trying to have a coffee to calm myself down, which was completely opposite because obviously putting caffeine in your body makes everything go crazier. And I turned around to my coach at the time and I said, Oh, I don't think I can do this. I've got to leave. Wow. I was actually wanting to leave and go home. And yeah. Um, so the ner- the nerves, the emo- oh, just it's feelings that you couldn't even think of that you'd ever go through. Um, yeah. So I ended up popping out and ended up having a fight. I think in the first uh, first round, so I knocked him out in the second round, but first round I was thought I was fit and I didn't know how – it doesn't matter how fit you are. <laughs> yeah, a minute in there seems like an hour. And um, yeah, I threw everything I had in the first round and I was so dead. And so I went back to the corner at the first round and I said to my trainer at the time, um, can you please throw the towel in? I'm done. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to go back out. And my trainer turned around at the time and she used, of all things, my parents. She goes, I oh, think of your parents. This is what you're doing it for. And I was like, all right. And I went back out the second round and fortunately knocked him out. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but, yeah, there's I've got so many different stories as well. I'm, I'm sure every fighter has their own stories. They've got funny stories, crazy stories, all different types of stories. And um, But, yeah, there's, that's just the one leading up to my first one. I was actually going to leave the venue. <laughs> wow. So I bet yeah. that, you know, a lot of people who do combat sports, I bet they it would be a common feeling, uh, I imagine. It is. Um, what I've learned, and I'm assuming my, every other fighter with time and with experience, is that um, you still get the nerves, but you learn how to control them. You can use them to channel it as an energy source or you can sort of don't can use it to control it and it drains you. Yeah. And it, so it's just one of those things in time, I guess, like everything with experience, yeah. you get better and learn to control whatever you're doing at the time better. So, yeah. Yeah, that's great. And um, you then went and fought for a Queensland uh, title, Queensland yes. champion four times, like you mentioned, two times Australian champion yep. and two times South Pacific champion. Um, is it just generally a progression? You win the Queensland title, then yeah. You go so um, normally, how it works basically, if you have five fights, five wins, depending on what show. Not every show does it. Some shows are different. Um, I hold the titles. Most of my titles are in WKBF, so World Kickboxing Federation um, rank uh, sanction. And um, so with that one, basically, if you have five fights, five wins, you get a Queensland title shot. And then once you've won your first title, you have to defend it once. Once you've had a successful defence, you move on to the next title. So Queensland, success. 
Uh, the reason I've got four Queensland titles is because I have two ISKA. So it's, I don't know how to pronounce what ISKA stands for. <laughs> yeah, Don't worry about it. <laughs> association. And then WKBF. So that's why I've got four because I've got two, 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 two different sanctions. Um, yeah, so it's like a progression thing. Pro- pro- progression thing, yeah. And when when did you win the first of those? How how long into your career after you started training? Would have been about maybe anywhere from oh a year and a half to two years. Wow! So yeah, before I actually yeah it progressed pretty fast. That's right. Uh, yeah, uh, but my actually I have my first Queensland title I fought for. Um, funny story as well. So this guy that I fought. I did actually didn't win my first Queensland title. I lost it. And then this guy moved back to, or decided to throw the towel in and didn't compete again. But long story short is um, I didn't know what Taekwondo was at the time either. And this guy was a three-time world Taekwondo champion. Wow. And, yeah, so we touched gloves. And he ran up and he done this spinny kick on me and just I was like, oh, what's this? Because I only knew boxing and Thai boxing at that stage. So you know, I was, yeah, uh, absolutely rattled for the first Queensland title. He's thrown all these spinny kicks, all this fancy stuff. And it's not what I've gotten because it's only flicky, but it was just, yeah, it just really put me off my game. So yeah, right. First one. And then um, I was like, all right, made me hungrier and put more into the training and everything else and come back and won it. That's awesome because everybody does face these sort of setbacks, you know, everyone, you know, we can look at you and say, you know, you hold, you got eight belts, you, you know, nationally, like even outside Australia in the regions, fought for world titles and that sort of things. But it doesn't all just come to you, does it? You do have setbacks. And what was – did you just use those setbacks as a motivation for next time? A hundred percent, a hundred percent. Yeah, whether I had things in my, going on in my life at the time, which was I didn't couldn't put my full energy into or my focus into my training camp or whatever it is, um, now that I've started to learn, when you're fighting and you match for a fight, Everything else is irrelevant. You really need to put 110% focus into that camp. If you go in and you're unprepared, that's going to show come fight night. Like, um, don't get me wrong. Yeah, I've got those titles, uh, but people also don't see the other side. People that may not see the defeats and losses. I have lost a few titles as well, like two world titles, a couple of other titles. And um, believe me, yeah, it's it's heartbreaking and you sort of just want to throw everything in. That's what the world's trying to test you with. Yeah. Um, really just got to not give up and if I had given up on that then I've lost two, two it's like five other titles that I've lost so yep. um, yeah if I had given up back then then I wouldn't have anything that I've got now so <clears throat> yeah yeah that's great being able to use that experience of losses and setbacks um, in a in a positive way when you talk about they're coming back from uh, setbacks and that sort of thing um, your world title fights, can you tell us about those? Where were they? How, what what happened on those nights? Yeah, so um, the first fight, I can't really go to too much detail because um, legally things happened at the fight show. I can't really go into too much detail. And yeah, a sure. A, yeah, a bit of a distraction for me. Um. Yeah, so my focus wasn't there, as I said, which is what I've learned now, that if I'm fighting, don't get sidetracked or whatever it is. And, um, yeah, so put your whole focus into. And then, unfortunately, I didn't learn my second time around and I had some distractions in life at the time. And I had probably two biggest fights in my life. I had things going on and I didn't learn to separate and put my put my fighter boots on and focus on that. And I sort of let the other things 
uh, revolve around and sort of get to me a bit too much, which now I've learned from that. Um, yeah, you really got to learn to separate them. Yeah. You, you talk about distractions and that sort of thing. I think it's worth, worth mentioning that we have a lot of sports people in Australia, obviously, AFL, NRL, cricketers and things who are professional, but everything you do is, it's all amateur, isn't it? There's very few fighters that earn a living from, from solely just competing. 100%, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Like, um, I've in the process of relocating my gym to Thornlands, but um, prior to that, yeah, I would say my gym's what's kept me be able to run my gym and keep it open. It's not what the fights have been paying me. It's the uh, tie boxing. You don't get a great deal compared to boxing, but yeah, it's more a love of the sport. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, but it, it, it's that thing, you know. You get distractions. Everyone does you have do, things do, going yeah. on in their life, and you can't just choose to escape that. You you still have to live your life at the same time as trying to compete for world titles and trying to keep yourself fit, trying to keep yourself motivated. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, that's where you've just really got to learn as an elite athlete <clears throat> to be a professional about it and be able to choose to focus on what you need to at certain times and part parts of the your career. So yeah, which is what I've learned definitely. So yeah. So um, it, we talk about uh, these combat sports where you they're done by weight categories. Yeah. Um, ha, so how how important's your diet and your discipline in your food and preparation, how, how far out from a fight does that start? Very crucial. Um, I'd say a good camp, like a really, really good camp, <clears throat> would be eight to 12 weeks. Um, but don't get me wrong, there's last-minute pullouts and things like that in the fight. So you may have 24 hours to prep well, within a week to prep. So, um, yeah, but generally a good eight to 12 weeks, I think, is personally a good camp. Yep. Um, yeah, you've really got to focus on your food and – <clears throat> your water intake and that because when you're training your body at such a high level uh puts a lot of stress and strain on your body and if you aren't putting back into your body yeah you just disintegrate quite fast yep and uh you, you mentioned earlier you've had some setbacks with not winning titles and losing yeah. championship fights and that sort of thing yep. what was the lowest point of your career the lowest point of my career Or including, even including inside and outside the sport. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say like maybe the lowest point of your your life when you felt like you know wow this is too much. Um, don't get me wrong, it was a very bad stage in my life where I was a drug addict. Um, <clears throat> I was homeless and those sorts of things after losing my parents. It was hard, but personally, I think the hardest thing I've ever had to come up against and do was um when I was incarcerated. <clears throat> for 11 months yep and I, I i know you personally i know a bit about your story and um you were exonerated you were found not guilty of that in the end but obviously you got a beautiful partner two beautiful kids and being away from them how did you even maintain your your fitness and your physical condition well <laughs> the fitness wasn't really maintained to be honest <laughs> um i went in at 76 kilos and i'll come out at 96 so okay, well. a bit of weight. Um, I was basically just getting over to strength training when you're stuck in a little cage and you've, your yard's as big as a garage sort of thing with 30 to 100 men, depending on what unit and stuff you're in. Um, yeah, you don't really have any place to do running or anything like that. So it's hard to keep up the, <clears throat> the, the fitness side of things. Like you can't have ropes now. You can't have this sort of stuff because people 
inappropriate, use it for the wrong things and that sort of stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, it was really hard um, keeping up the fitness side of things in there. I think something that really got me through, um, just my beautiful family, my amazing partner and my kids, being able to speak to them every day on the phone um, multiple times a day is really what kept me strong and made me not fall into the traps that people were falling in there and really, yeah, take yeah. Uh, the best out of it and learn to really appreciate and respect everything, including time, down to your washing powder, a tap that turns. Yeah, yep. we really get complacent. And, um, yeah, so that has really put a, put a big appreciation in my life. Not that I wasn't appreciative prior to that, but just that much more. So, mm. yeah. And, um, what? Sorry, you going? Oh, you're right. No, you're right. I was gonna gonna ask you. There was someone else in in prison who you were who a chaplain or somebody who also had a big influence on you. Is that right? Yeah, um, absolutely blessed. Uh, when I was incarcerated as well, uh, I had met a chaplain. So some people may not know what a chaplain is. It's a religious person that comes around helps people. Um, yeah, so he introduced me to God. Um, prior to this, I I was a believer. I've never not been a believer but I've never really followed the path or really acted on it. Um, when I was seeing this chaplain twice a week in prison, he really helped me do Bible studies and just teach me the word. And um, I think that was probably the biggest saviour, um, realising how amazing the Lord is and what he can do for you. Uh, so I've also taken it from there and didn't just use it as while I was in a tough time to use the Lord, but also when I'm in a good time with my family and everything, like prior after that now, um, I've been baptised since being released. Absolutely amazing by yeah. yourself. <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah, so, yeah, I've got a beautiful family. Um, I've, As I mentioned earlier, I haven't really had much family because both my parents passed. I've moved around a lot, foster care, homeless, all this and that. So I've got an amazing family now. I've got a beautiful partner, two kids, um, and also as the Lord's given me an amazing family, my church family. So, yeah, he's really saved me and given me better things to look at and yeah, all onwards and upwards from here. So I have no yeah. idea. Yeah, that, that's so that's so inspiring. And I, I grew up without a dad as well, so I, I know what that's like. And my walk with God's so similar. You know, I, you know some people really have an issue and they, they carry a lot of baggage from not having a – a dad around but when you know your heavenly father it's it's just so good so liberating and you know i've certainly got a different perspective to to other people i know who who didn't grow up with the faith perspective um you you mentioned yourself there that you, know, you were kind of always a believer did you you grew up with some sort of faith in your life yeah, so as a child, um, don't really remember the time frame. Unfortunately, psychologists that have said that I struggle to remember a lot as a child because of the trauma I went through. So my brain has done some sort of reaction thing and just decided to cut it out of my life. Um, but, yeah, there was a few times here and there that when my mum was still around, um, she took me and my brothers to church. Only not even a handful of times that I can remember, but I do remember going to church. Yeah, don't even remember if I had the belief or whatever it was, but I do remember it was in my life once upon a time, even though I didn't follow or pursue to follow the the word. Um, but I was pointed back on that path, as I said, in prison and all that. And yeah, so I did have, it was introduced at a young age, but very, very extremely briefly, like very, very little. Yeah. Then life just went on. Um, and yeah, I was re reunited with my heavenly father and absolutely blessed for it. So yeah, I think a lot of people talk about um, 
knowing of God, but not knowing God, like as in the existence of God. And that sounds a bit like what you're describing. You couldn't have put it in a better words. That's right. Like I always thought of something there, knowing there was a God or something, but I didn't know, never knew the ins and outs of the faith, all this sort of stuff. Like, yeah, so it's really good being able to learn the word and really actually understand everything about it all now. So, yeah. Still in the milking stages, still quite early of it all, but yep. it's an absolutely amazing journey to be on and I'm really looking forward to continuing to walk the path with um, the Lord. Yeah, that's fantastic. Um, obviously, combat sport, which you do, um, about as physical as any sport could get. Um, mm. You had any major injuries or anything which have affected your career and your um, progression? Surprisingly, nothing too bad. Um, oh, actually, I do have one. It's very, very strange one. Um, so I don't know if you can see my ear. So see how I've got my left top of my ear there? Yep. I don't know if you can see, but my right ear, can you see how the top top's been chopped off? Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. So I was actually um, in my classes at the gym I was running boxing. I had this gentleman come up and I introduced myself to him on the Monday. Same thing happened on the Tuesday. And then the Wednesday happened again and I introduced myself again. And he thought I was joking, but my partner was standing next to me this time. And she's like, what's that? You've introduced yourself three times now. And I didn't recall meeting him the two nights prior. So after this training session, my partner goes, we're going to Redcliffe Hospital. I went to the hospital because I had a really big hematoma. Didn't think much of it. I just thought it was a normal hematoma. Wow. And um, when I went there, they'd done head scans. And um, I basically had a blood clot that was above my ear that was inside above, but it actually split the blood clot. So it, blood was coming down the back of my neck and it was draining straight back up to my brain. So I started having a bit of slight bit of memory loss. Very, very strange. Um, so they rushed me straight to Royal Brisbane Hospital. When I got there, they snipped the top of my ear off and put me straight in surgery and done whatever they had to do. Yeah, it was pretty, pretty painful. Um, but apparently they reckon that if I just had have left it, could have been within a couple of weeks that I could have gone to sleep and I'm um, not waking up. That's crazy. Yeah, waking up could have been um, a vegetable. Like there's many of things that could have happened. Yeah. So, yeah, I was very, very lucky. That's probably the most scariest injury I've had. Yep. Um, yeah. And was that from a blow you took in a fight or something? Yeah, yeah. so um, I was in the process at the time um, getting ready for a thing called Beast Championship, and it was in little gloves. So they're like, you know how you got UFC that's little gloves? Oh, yep, yep. Car boxing's bigger gloves. Um, but at this time I was getting prepared for in, in a cage in a little gloves on this Beast Championship uh, show. And, yeah, it was all during that time. Not sure whether it was the little gloves or the compact of the uh, impact in the year what it was but yeah just um yes flared up and i just thought it was normal cauliflower ear but uh, it turns out it was a lot worse (laughs) yeah well good thing you got you got onto it early on or you might not have been here to tell the story by the same thing yeah that's it so yeah uh combat sports obviously like we've said it's quite aggressive you know the the, the, is there a persona that people expect? Like, I know you, you're, you're such a nice, kind, such a gentle guy. Is there a sort of persona which is associated with that? People expect you to act or behave a certain way when you participate in combat sport? Yeah, as sad as it is, unfortunately, as soon as you're like a fighter or whatever, like in the combat sport sort of thing, um, people do just sort of put you, it's like basically judging a book before it bites cover. Um, they go, oh, yep. He's that sort of person who's going to be like this, he's aggressive, he's all this and that. Um, yeah, so people definitely have that outlook on me, thinking that I'm going to be this sort of person. And then 10 times out of 10, once if they get to know me or speak to me, they're like, oh, wow, 
you completely opposite the what I thought. So, um, as I said, the very one of the biggest things is um stay humble no matter what you achieve in life or how far yep. you come. Always treat everyone with respect in the same the way you'd like to be treated. We're all equal. Just because right. you work hard or whatever it is doesn't mean you're any better. You just put in hard harder work and um you see the results for it. So we can all do it, but it's just having the right circle around you and the right mm, support. Yeah. And is it difficult for you to kind of find the balance between the person that you are inside the ring and the person you want to be outside the ring? Surprisingly not. Um, as funny as it is, I actually hate fighting. Wow. As weird as it sounds, I actually don't like fighting. I hate it. Um, yep. and it's funny because when I speak to a lot of fighters, there's quite a lot of fighters that feel the same. It's just something we've trained and it's just what we've become good at and, yep. and that's just sort of thing. So. Um, yeah, no, surprisingly not. I find it quite easy. I've got kids. I've got, I'm got. i a family man, so I'm very gentle, very family orientated, uh, very humble, very soft. Uh, so I don't like to be that aggressive or whatever people try to judge fighters by. Um, so, yeah, no, I try to basically as soon as I jump those ropes, that's all gone and everything changes. It's I'm always normal until I get to the ropes. As soon as I jump over, it's yeah, different. Yeah, it's like, like the switch flick. It's like the switch just flicks. So. Yeah, white line fever. I think they call it in football and that sort of thing. Once you cross the line, it's yeah, that's right. Yep. Yep. Yeah, Showtime. Exactly. Yeah, very good. And um, I know that you you haven't had a fight for a couple of years, a, a big yeah, fight. Yeah, um, two years. Yep. You you're still pursuing that? Is that something you're going yeah, to be doing um, again? There's a possibility. I've just got to have a little bit more of a chat. Um, maybe in March. That's not a definite. If not, uh, I'll definitely be fighting in July. Will be my return, hundred mm. percent. Yep. And what what will you have to start again if you're not a current uh, champion of uh, belt holder? Um, no, not the promoter. I'm pretty good with the promoter, and I should be able to just either if I don't get world title, I'll probably go for South Pacific or that, and then get the world yep. title. So, all depends, I guess, what weight I can get down to because I was competing at super welterweight, which was sixty nine kilos. Yep. I'm now ninety six, <laughs> so. Um, and I have gained a lot more, not just fat, but muscle as well while I was incarcerated. Um, so yeah, I guess we'll just see when my body lets me get too healthily, not unhealthily and passing out and killing my body too much. So yeah, we'll see as well. So the weight factor might play things and yeah, just take it as it comes, I guess. Yep. And, um, I, I've been watching some of your older fight videos, just preparing to have a conversation with you here and you can, you can tell the, the difference in, in your physique, um, as a as a bigger guy, is it harder, or is it when you is it harder to keep the weight off for you, or what do you think would be? It's just, your... it's, uh, it's just something that over the time people have just done. It's just been passed down. Um, people are cutting weight to try and make the fight because basically you've got twenty four hours from when you jump on the scales to when you fight. A lot of people get IVs, they get the fluids back in. So even though they weigh in at sixty nine, they probably jump on the ropes at seventy four, seventy five. Wow, uh, one day. Yeah, but also it can go the other way as well. So by the food, depending on how you eat it and stuff, after you've cut so much weight, it can go the opposite and you're completely drained and withdrawn and yeah, you don't come back too much. So I've ended up in hospital twice from my organs shutting down. Um, no way. Mm. Um, there was one when I was in Darwin, quite a good story. I was fighting this guy, Mitch Impey, and because um, I get the IV drip put in uh, after my weigh-ins, there was no nurse that was there. I was told that there was a nurse and um, she tried 16 times out the back and there was just a absolute pile of blood under my arm. And I was like, whoa, what's going on here? This isn't right. So I had to go to hospital and I was only two, two hours out from a fight 
Wow. Yeah, two hours out uh, when I seen the doctor. And they said they tried putting a drip in me and apparently my um, veins had collapsed because I was so dehydrated. So they couldn't get the uh, IV in me either. So by this time, there was 18 times that they tried getting an IV drip, 16 at the flight show, two at the hospital. And, um, yeah, so they said I had to drink oral fluids to rehydrate myself, to open up the veins again, and then they could put the IV in me. And I said, oh, it's all good. I'll sign myself out and I'm just going to go watch. I won't fight. And I signed myself out with an hour of preparing to fight and I fought. <laughs> so it's not saying it's a good thing, but it does take a toll on the body. Um, it's probably not the best thing, but as I said, we'll see. I don't. I personally don't think I'll get to back down to sixty nine. I think. Yep. I think it's pretty impossible. I don't. I think it's a fat chance. Uh, like even I have been training in a few weeks, five weeks. I've been back out of incarceration. Haven't been, and I mean the lowest I've got down to is eighty eight. So. Yeah, I think it's going to be a bit of a struggle to get down to 69 again. So, mm. yeah, that's a wild story. Was that for one of the championships, one of the titles? Yes, that was for, um, oh, what was it called? Uh, oh, it's up in Darwin. Um, but it was a proper competitive fight. fight. It wasn't yeah, like an yeah, exhibition was, thing or something. Nah, that fight's on YouTube too. Um, wow. Yeah, broke his nose, cut it. Like he had to. Apparently, I heard that. Yeah, he had to get pushed back in, like pretty bad, like really bad, at the hospital. Um, yeah, so I cut him over pretty bad. But I was, I don't even really too too much remember the fight. I was pretty out of it, just from yeah, hydration and all that sort of stuff. So yeah, may not have been the smartest, but I guess it is what it is. Uh, yeah, well, ended up all right, but probably wasn't smart at all. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So you mentioned there, um, one of your opponents suffering quite a significant injury um how, mm. how do you how do you deal with that is that something that you or you just focus you're in the zone just doing your thing yeah i do i don't know if it's something or common that a lot of fighters do but after pretty much most of my fights not every is depending on how they act to me as a person as well but if they're respectful and everything if they've been injured quite bad or whatever then i'll always contact them and see how they're doing um another guy um I fought and I split his uh, spleen and he had internal bleeding and he ended up in ICU, uh, made sure I contacted him. And yeah, there's been some pretty crazy, crazy, crazy injuries that have happened or I've accidentally given to people. And yeah, always make sure, be respectful and show that they care because we're just there to do the same thing. We don't want to, yeah, that's uh, right. Nothing like that. It's just, just to put on a show and do what we train for. So yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, with the, with the fights there, when you've, you've talked about uh, being in the combat, game really for probably coming up to a decade now you've been in fights um you've found your faith more recently than that just in the last couple of years do you think your career would have been any different or anything would have been different in your um in your fight career if you'd found your faith earlier i think i could have achieved more um but i'm still not disappointed with what i've achieved and i think i'm still quite i'm still very young i'm only 30 and having found the lord um i think there's only bigger and better things to come so yeah that's great and um and you you do you are 30 but you've achieved a lot not just in your uh fighting career but also in the establishment of boxing gyms and you're very much focused on helping other people and other people coming through the ranks as well yeah um there's an organization i was working with prior to being incarcerated uh quantum america cup it's a suicide prevention organization run by um, amazing woman, Sandy. 
Um, yeah, I was. There's a few ambassadors for that, so I was one of them. Uh, Slap, they shared the slogan: "You are worth fighting for." Um, yeah, I actually have to get back in touch with her, but yeah, so they help a lot of the community and stuff with um helping spread the awareness for suicide prevention, and there's a few other organisations that are out there that are doing the same thing. So yeah, it's, yeah, really good. Yeah, and you you certainly have mentioned to me a couple of times, even outside of this conversation, about your experience being something you can use to help other people and the incorporating uh, combat and physical training into that as well. Yeah, um, yeah, definitely something that I feel that has um, I've sort of noticed is obviously we get good endorphins going once we're started training and being ex- uh, doing exercise and uh, physical activities. So I've definitely found that people that may not be open to talk um, about their issues or life or whatever it is that's on their mind, um, definitely I've noticed they do a training session and after a training session you have a bit of a chat with them and they're a lot more open and um, they communicate a lot better because they're feeling good, the endorphins are going through their body. So, yeah, I'm also going to be doing a lot of uh, studying psychology and human behaviours and then I'd like to also sort of incorporate the that with the physical side so that way I can help yeah really help people mentally physically and as much as possible so yeah that's brilliant um you you are setting up a new gym now in uh the eastern suburbs yeah uh, we just moved we used to be in north side but now we've uh, relocated to thornlands um we're currently still doing uh one-on-one pts at the moment um we're just not running full classes until uh we get our new facility hoping that by mid-January 2023 we're in there um yeah how how can people find you if they want to do some training or something we've we've got social media so Walton Star Boxing has an Instagram a Facebook um if they do jump on our webpage or Facebook as well oh no it's just a webpage sorry um the address is incorrect it does still say Northside uh I've got to wait for Google to change it so we are relocated um yes but there's phone numbers on there webpages social media all that so uh, plenty of ways to contact and inquire if they're interested in doing some classes, uh, some one-on-one PTs until classes start. Yep, and you've you've mentioned there you've obviously got the the training which you do yourself, your own boxing, uh, Thai boxing training. You do classes like as an instructor. You also do the fighting. Is there something there? Which one of those is your favourite, or do you get the most out of? hard um so different things in different areas and why i yeah. say that is uh, example i start training kids from the age of four um and it's amazing to watch the confidence and the kids self-development grow like uh for example a kid might come in one day um holding the parent's leg you know how most kids are pretty shy i don't want to leave the side the parent's side four weeks goes by and they walk in and then all of a sudden it's like the parents trying to get their kid to leave the gym so <laughs> it's amazing watching the development grow within their youth. Um, yeah. And also, don't get me wrong, I love training adults as well. There's a lot of um, people that obviously have had things happen in their life, so it's a big release for to get the endorphins going and, yeah, help release um, many factors for them. So, yeah. Yeah, great. Um, I think that that ties in nicely to a listener question that I've got. I've got a question from Queen Collie on Instagram. And she asks, how old, how old is too old to start training for Muay Thai? I would say not too old. I have a gentleman that is 79 years of age. No way. And he does three PTs a week. And he goes as hard as my 20-year-olds. Wow. 
just saying that. He's an amazing um, inspiration, 70, 79 years of age. Yep. So um, obviously they're not, he's not trained to jump over the ropes enough and he's just doing it for his mental state and his physical and health. And, yeah, it's really, really good. Um, never too old to learn. That's uh, unreal. You just want a good trainer as well. Some trainers may sort of make you feel uncomfortable, may have standards for you, and that's really sad. But as long as you find the right person, never too old. Yeah, perfect. And um, that is something then you can pursue, obviously, for the younger people. There are people who would do it for, you know, 50-plus years. Is that right? Yeah, 100%. Yep, yep. Um, that's like a lot of people, a lot of teenagers, sort of young adults, maybe 18 or 19 starting or whatever, and they go, oh, I'm too old to start fighting. And I'll say, what? And I'm like, I didn't start this till I was 20. And they're like, whoa, what? And they just spin out about it because it's really what you're going to get out is what you put in. You know, yeah. like you put it, you put in your as much as you can and all you can, you're going to get out all of you can. So, um, yeah, it's really what you want to get out of it. But yeah, age is just a fact. Age is just a number. Never too, not too young, not too old. My little boy's only one and he does a jab and cross already. So, <laughs> <laughs> how yeah. good. Yeah, that's awesome. awesome. Yeah, got, um, like to finish every interview, every conversation which I have on this uh, podcast with the same question. And what I want to ask you is how does Brad Walton want to be remembered? Oh, actually, sorry, before we do that, I just want to touch on one other thing I was meant to do earlier. I completely forgot. Brad the Weapon Walton. Where did, where did the nickname The Weapon come from? So um, I had six fights, and out of my six fights, I cut five people with my elbows, and I just um, come after my sixth fight. Mm. Yep. Just by cutting people with my elbows. I love my elbows. They're my favourite weapon. Yep. So that's why Brad the Weapon Walton. <laughs> Brad the Weapon Walton. Can we call you the weapon or do you prefer well, to get by Brad? No dramas at all. Very good. Yeah, so we'll get back. Um, how does Brad Walton want to be remembered? Ah, family man, loving, caring, respectful, um, someone that will give his time to everyone, any time of the day. And yep. Always there for everyone. Yeah, it's it's quite telling there, and it, it's a theme which comes up with a lot of professional athletes and high performance sports people that I speak with. They don't they don't refer back to their achievements or their accomplishments because, you know, they're they're there, but it doesn't define who you are. No, correct. As I said earlier as well, we're all we're all humans. We're all equal. No one just because I got a few titles there or someone has just saw that. We're not different. We all bleed. We all bleed red, and we all got feelings and emotions. We're the same. We're all human, so we're all yeah. definitely equal there. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, Brad, it's been, or should I say, the weapon. It's been great, <laughs> great to chat with you. Thanks, Thanks for so coming much, on Dave. the show, and I look forward to um, sharing your story with with mm. the people who uh, see the podcast. Yeah, awesome. Thanks for your time, Jace. I really appreciate it. Have a great day, mate. See you later. Thank, Thank you. you. Cheers, mate. If you've enjoyed this episode of the Press Toward the Goal podcast, take a minute to give us a rating and review on the podcast app you're currently listening on. Make sure you follow us on Instagram where the handle is Press Toward the Goal, all one word. You can also find us on YouTube where unedited video recordings of the conversations featured on this show will be posted. Thanks for your support and I look forward to sharing another conversation with you soon.